0: Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and I am so glad you're tuning in today. In today's episode, we're talking about softness. How do we connect with our softness in a world that is so hard? At what point did our softness no longer feel safe to access? When did it get stomped out of us? What are the costs of not being able to connect? with our softness? What are the benefits when we lean into it within ourselves, within our relationships? How does softness dance with anger? We're exploring all of this today, and I am so thrilled to be doing that with my colleague, my friend, Dr. Akila Kaday. She is the founder and CEO of Change Kaday. She is my DEI coach, and I have been so honored to know her and get to know her more and learn from her throughout the years and to now share her with all of you. Dismantling white supremacy through storytelling is at the core of her work as a leader, speaker, creative director, producer, writer, editor, and now author of her forthcoming book, White Supremacy is All Around, Notes from a Black Disabled Woman in a White World. She's also the host of the podcast, Soft Black Woman. She lives in Oakland, California, literally has all the degrees, <laughs> celebrates her disability, is a proud Beyonce advocate, and she truly has an incredible shoe game. Go check out her podcast to see that photo <laughs> where she's rocking those shoes. Honestly, every time we're on a call with each other, I'm like, wait, hold on. Can we just talk about the fit today and the outfit and where did, where did, where did you get it? If you've ever felt like you were too soft for the world or you're scared of your softness or you have trouble accessing your softness within yourself or within relationships, this episode is for you and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Dr. Kadeh, it is so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed connecting with you over the years, and I'm so glad we're finally getting a chance to do this. And before we dive into our topic, I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listener, who you are, what lights you up, what's your context, right? And what are you, what are you sharing with the world these days so that... The listener from the start knows that there's more from you that they can absorb outside of this conversation.
1: Yeah, well, I I love that. I I am Dr. Akila Kiday. I um I dismantle white supremacy, and that's what I do every day through um, me as a person, whether it's social media or the projects that I'm on or the company that I run, which is Change Today. We are an organizational development consulting firm that does everything to highlight, uplift, support oppressed people in workplaces and spaces. And so that can look like executive coaching. It can look like crisis management. It can look like strategy work, a workshop, It can look like marketing and branding. We just do so much. Um, and that's mainly because discrimination does not discriminate. So we mm-hmm. get to do that in lots of spaces and places and areas of business, but also the types of businesses that we work with from startups to small businesses, all the way up to multi-billion dollar companies. I say confidently, there's something that you do every day that we've had some type of part in, either um, myself or my company, which is pretty cool. Um, The light question is lovely. So I guess what lights me up is... Dismantling white supremacy It's all—it's yeah. <laughs> all, all connected. Um, mm-hmm. I love finding ways to help people understand how, like, you know, white supremacy is all around, which also is the title of my book, um, and um, how they can really understand it better to dismantle it.
0: Mm. And you—you yeah. you said something there under your breath um, about a book. And I'd love to. Mm -hmm. I'd love to bring it outside of under the breath and name it as as (laughs) this beautiful, always a dot, life therapy happening right
1: now. Um, (laughs) Can anyone tell that I'm a Virgo and I don't do well? (laughs) But
0: from one from one Virgo to another, I just I I I know you will do.
1: (laughs) I'll do it better for you. You can do it better for me. Which is why we work so well (laughs) together. Yeah. Um yeah so I have a little book uh my book comes out February 6 2024 it is called white supremacy is all around notes from a black disabled woman in a white world I am a black disabled woman I live in a white world I live in Oakland California but I do live in a white world mm-hmm. um and then you will probably get more into that as we talk about so many things um in this episode but the reason why I wrote this book with um, I want with Hachette Hachette go. So, I have the privilege of being with a, a top five publisher. I have the privilege of my first book coming out with a top five publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a writer, but this is now I'm officially an author, which is another Virgo thing that I have to. Add, like, I'm an author. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. <laughs> author. Um, so the book talks about my lived experience as a Black disabled woman. And for people who look and live like me structurally, they can feel validated, seen and heard. Mm. And um, maybe inspire, maybe get some advice. And um, particularly for white people who have been doing the work since the murder of George Floyd. So we're talking about May 25th, 2020, who have been learning and unlearning and reading all the books about like how to be an ally, be Mm anti-racist, an advocate, accomplice, whatever it is, to be able to read those same stories and identify ableism, identify systemic oppression, identify Mm -hmm. white supremacy and apply what they've been learning, which I think is something that has been missing in the book space. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many books out there, fantastic books out there will tell you how to show up, but have you learned from that? And can you see that? Because when we go out in the world, whatever parts of intersectionality we have, again, the different parts of our identity, um, I'm a Black person, I'm a woman, I'm disabled, I'm a founder, I'm a CEO, I'm an author, I'm a producer, I'm all (laughs) these things. My intersectionality is my identity. How do we go out to the world and see things happening real time Mm. at work, at the cafe, and use our power and privilege to do something about it? And actually yeah. being actionable about it,
0: yeah. And it's like, it's like seeing the water you've been swimming in, right? Um, all mm. around us. In, mm-hmm. and then, and then also, what I'm hearing you say is, then when you see the water around you, and you see that there's something toxic in the water, to be able to name it and do something mm-hmm. with as you said, the power and privilege that we may carry. Yeah. Okay. And this – so I will – just for the listener, I'm going to link all of the resources and places to find Dr. Kaday in the show notes. So you can go (laughs) right there. You also have a podcast. Right? Oh yeah, I'm a podcast host. You're a podcaster. You. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I got you. Like, we'll we'll, oh, we'll get through the intro because I'll I'll help you remember.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Cassidy, for holding me accountable to who I am. Um, so, uh, <laughs> my podcast is with uh, Betches Media. It's called Soft Black Woman, and um, it's a it's a weekly news podcast. We talk about what's happening in the world. Um, As you know, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now, but how do we do that from a place of softness? How do we do that Mm -hmm. uh, from a place where we can still have humanity? Because it's so much, so much, so much, so much, right? And for listeners in America, we're approaching this presidential election year. We're having these debates come up. Some really horrific things are happening. Um, And it can make life really challenging. But how can we practice softness? amongst how hard it is to be, and really for me, how can I role model the behavior of not being that stereotype of an angry Black woman, right? Or a strong Black woman, which upholds values that advocating for oneself is um, what you're supposed to do, or advocating for yourself, you're being difficult. How do we tap into that softness um, when we all deserve to be Mm. supported and valued and appreciated? amongst the existence and our intersectionality that we carry, um, in this very wild world.
0: Mm. Can we talk more about softness? Yes. Actually, I, um, I feel, I think that softness is something that I had felt for a while I needed to work on my softness, uh, when it comes to, my work around anti-racism mm-hmm. and 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 other um, other ways in which I'm <laughs> trying to do the work and so I, w- I want to hear more about this I'm so I'm so deeply personally curious about how you have come to recognize and relate to and connect with your softness in this work? Yeah, well,
1: so I, I should say I have a cheat code, and that is my disability. So um, some people may know that my body thinks it's having a heart attack every day, so I live with the symptoms of a heart attack. and have a heart attack at any moment in time. I, the arteries in my heart just close every day because that's what they want to do. Um, and so as a result of that, I can't have stress, and I was diagnosed with this um, about six years ago, and so I had to learn how to live my life differently. And that first part of getting into softness, because I have the risk of death every day—again, cheat code—don't do it though. Don't recommend. Um, is not having stress. Not having stress means that I had to let stuff go. Mm-hmm. I had to be more clear of what I wanted to do. Say yes to the yeses. Noes to the noes. I had to drastically change my lifestyle to survive. And that also meant I had to completely remove this whole idea of work-life balance because it doesn't exist. So (laughs) I removed balance and I replaced it with harmony. So that allows me Mm. to be in a position of joy and softness when I'm like working really hard on something. So for example, I worked full time and wrote my book which I don't recommend, it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to do. A lot of people don't realize that um, there's so many ghostwriters that are out there or co-writers, um, particularly people who are busy, who work at a busy level. Um, and so we were like, oh my God, you wrote this amazing book. And then it's like, oh, we had a ghostwriter. I actually like wrote my book. And yeah. so there'd be times where I would work really late on business stuff or I'd work really late writing my book and it felt really good. And I felt softness in that and that is harmony, right? So when we think about balance is like, okay, between these hours and these hours, I'm going to work. And between these hours and these hours, I'm going to write. Like I have on my calendar still to this day, the time I have to write where people couldn't schedule meetings. Um, but I, I usually didn't write in that time because something happened for work or maybe mm. I'm traveling or I was tired and I needed to sleep. And so- yeah. Um, for, for those who don't live with disability, the risk of death every day, it's really replacing harmony, um, you know, putting harmony in place of balance to help with the softness. Um, and then the other thing I realized is that particularly in being someone known for dismantling white supremacy, everyone looks at you for a solution and everyone wants to know like what to do or how to solve a problem or are they racist or <laughs> are they homophobic? Mm. Are they, you know, and that's a lot to to carry. And I yeah. do that when real-time things are happening that are horrific to either my own community, whether it's a disabled community, women, BIPOC people, black people, BIPOC, black, indigenous people of color. And so um particularly like after the moment of the murder of George Floyd, it's like I'm incredibly traumatized by seeing something like that. Yet right. I'm being pulled to help people figure out what to do who may look and live like me or who may not look and live like me. And so I had to figure out like, okay, yeah, you're really good at this work, but you Mm. can't be everything to everyone. And so it took years, but I had to start reclaiming my time. So I would have 12 to 15 things a day that can include meetings, workshops, interviews, talks, whatever um, coaching sessions. And it took, like two and a half years for me to get to six or eight meetings a day because the other side of it all is I have to carry the weight that I knew that white people would only think that I was needed for a short window and Mm. financially money would allow me to have more softness Mm. right so that means I would have more money to get a massage I would have more money to um, pay for my acupuncture I have more money to do what I did which was buy my tiny little home Mm -hmm. and um, a new home meant for me I had stability my rent wouldn't go up I would be able to budget things because everything factors into how can I have as much independence as a soft black woman to do this work which is incredibly traumatizing
0: there are so many layers to this then yes. i am a
1: seven layer dip um. <laughs> <laughs> you, you
0: taste it's it's delicious stuff it's delicious um and it's and it's complex um okay softness what is how do you like what are the signals from your body from your mind from the mm, behaviors that are mm. that are coming up for you right like how How do you know that you're in softness? What does that actually feel like in your body? Hey there, popping in real quick with a word about our sponsor, Cozy Earth. I'm wearing Cozy Earth right now. I think I'm often wearing Cozy Earth (laughs) when I'm recording this because I love me. Some Cozy Earth. I love their joggers. I love their pajamas. I'm wearing them to bed. I'm wearing them in the morning. I'm wearing them to drop off. I'm wearing them to record podcast episodes. I'm wearing them when I'm seeing clients. And don't worry, I'm also washing them. And they just get softer as the days go on. So Cozy Earth is made from viscose from bamboo. It's all sustainably sourced. It's been named as one of Oprah's favorite things. We're a huge fan, my husband's a huge fan. Even though he tends to always be hot and I'm always cold, somehow it's breathable enough and warm enough that it fits for both of us. If you want to learn more about Cozy Earth, visit CozyEarth.com, and you can use the code DRCASSIDY35 for 35% off site-wide when you use that code. That's DRCASSIDY35. So softness to me means that I'm able to take a nap during the work
1: mm. week. Um, it means I can sit on that very fancy, big, oversized couch that's on the other side of this laptop <laughs> in my <laughs> office. Um whether I'm reading a book or I'm talking to someone or catching up or I'm cuddling myself with a blanket or whatever. I'm looking out the window into the woods that I live in. Yeah. Um, softness is always my whirlpool tub. If anyone's listening to it who follows me, you know I love my whirlpool tub. That was the first purchase I got when I bought <laughs> my home um, because softness is when I am warm. So if I'm in mm. hot water or whatever, any heating pads that I have or the blankets mm-hmm. that I'm in, that's when I'm able to have the least amount of pain because I live in chronic pain. So in addition to my heart stuff, I have a rare, um, condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or EDS. So my body doesn't make enough collagen, collagens and everything, short version, any type of joint I have will dislocate or subluxate. So go in and out or I'll have to put it back in. Um, like my wrist went out yesterday and took a while for me to put it back in. Um, I can wake up and I can't walk on a joint. So ankle, Uh, knee hip um, I have a hypermobile spine um, and there's just lots of comorbidities that come along with it so I'm in constant chronic pain and because I do podcast interviews and I have clients I can't take pain medication during the day I can only take it during the evening it's a whole thing so yeah. Um, when I'm able to be in a position of softness, sometimes I'm on a muscle relaxer, not going to lie. that's a yeah. yes. Um, sometimes it's an edible and edibles have been really helpful for me, um, whether CBD, THC, or a combination of both, um, to be able to get me into position to relax because I have a lot of really tight muscles.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, softness is being able to actually like decide at 10 p.m. to go see the barbie movie and have a wonderful time mm. you know and stay up a little bit later <laughs> but to be able to laugh and be like oh my god this is a wonderful example of patriarchy and oh my god there's layers to it seven layer dip barbie's a seven yeah. layer dip and um america ferrera and i'm like yes and the, the speech yes. and then greta gerwig is from sacramento and that's my hometown and you're just having these <laughs> proud moments that's their moments of softness it's going to mm. beyonce and sitting in the stage you know, Mm -hmm. um, and being able to sing and have fun and dance around, um, Mm -hmm. is being able to not have to solve other people's problems. Mm. Yeah. And I'm known, I'm known as Olivia Pope of the workplace or Olivia Pope diversity, which means I handle shit and fix shit. And that's all I do is all I do is constantly solving other Mm -hmm. people's problems, other businesses, problems, um, and so not doing that brings me a lot of joy. Real Housewives with Salt Lake City. Softness. to mm. uh, just tune out, you know?
0: <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. And, okay, I have this question of how softness dances with anger. But before I get there, I actually – I think there's a question before that of the benefits of softness, right? Like mm. what are the – lived benefits of, of connecting back with softness? Not having to advocate for myself.
1: Mm -hmm. So not only am I the CEO of my own company, I'm also the CEO of my body. So I have to manage my multiple doctors and I have more than two hands worth of doctors, my multiple appointments, my annual screenings, my regular appointments, surgeries, procedures, um, health insurance. Like I am my own patient advocate. And so all of that means I'm constantly on one way or another, which is getting into that area of softness is being able to be heard, Mm. have my pain believed. Mm. Um, Someone saying, what can I do to support you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Someone saying, someone not saying I'm a strong woman. Someone not telling me I'm strong. Mm. That also is a form of softness for me because I don't want to be strong. I would love for a half-naked man to feed me every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rub my feet (laughs) or my back. You know, that hurts. Mm -hmm. I would love. Um, for it to be normal, particularly in my lived experience as a, a black woman, because black women are, are constantly viewed as the problem solvers, the dismantlers of things, the advocates for members of the family or friends. Unlike speaking of, I would love for someone else to do that for me. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a position right now where I wouldn't have to hire someone to take care of me for this major surgery I have in a month and a half. You know, I would love to not have to pay for that. I would love to have enough, you know, community so I could be soft where I would know people would show up for me, but I don't have enough community to do that. You know, like those types Mm. of things um, are are instrumental for me for softness. But Mm. I think for anyone who's trying to figure out what softness looks like, it's like, what do you not want to do? What are you tired of doing? Mm. What do you wish someone else would do for you? someone else would advocate for you, you know,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. to do so you could have that
0: softness. And Dr. Kadate, where do you think softness gets stomped out of us along the way, right? Like why is Mm -hmm. softness something that we might be scared of or it feels distant or it feels wrong or bad?
1: Yeah, so that whole kind of stereotype of being a strong black woman means that if you are asking for help, you're weak. Mm-hmm. You can't have independence, right? So this like weakness is independence can can come up. I don't think that but I know that can happen for other folks. For me personally, it's because I've had multiple people not show up for me. So then I just do it myself. Cause I can't let myself down. And if I do, it's my fault and I can hold myself accountable mm-hmm. to that. And that is easier to take than saying like, Hey, um, will you come do X, Y, and Z for me mm-hmm. with me around me or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think also in softness comes a lot of vulnerability Yes. And so I'm very vulnerable. I put all the feelings out there. My therapist is very proud of me. I still have (laughs) continuing work to do, you know, on it, like in that space and in that area. But um, it's being vulnerable to say, I need help or Mm. I'm too tired to do X or I don't have capacity to do X. I don't have the physical bandwidth, the emotional bandwidth or a combination of both to do the things and not feel judged for asking for that. And knowing that in softness, there's reliability in yourself for how you claim and work towards and hold that softness, but also like for that other party that may be involved or parties that may be involved Mm -hmm. as well.
0: You know, as you're talking, the imagery that was coming to my mind was um, an image of you, an image of me, an image of the listener as a baby right? We came into this world Mm. and we were so soft, like (laughs) um, uh, physically soft. We had a soft spot on the top of our head that we all had, you know, that everyone had to be careful about. And we were so soft and so vulnerable. And then I think about that baby, whether it's you, the listener, or whether it's myself, or whether it's you, Dr. Kade, and I think about then that baby navigating the world around them, right? Initially with what is their world, which is their, the caregivers, the family system, the system around them, um, and their, you know, direct environment and the different ways in which that vulnerability or that softness is, um, doesn't feel safe anymore, potentially, right? For one reason or another, whether it's my, my feelings in which what I'm needing is support and um, you know uh, softness and safety. Though it's not it's not it's not safe to do that, right? So then that gets um, you know we, we, we begin to learn how do I survive here, right? Mm-hmm. And outside of that the, those caregivers and that family system, then there's the world around that child as they grow up and they begin to see through their experience of gender, race, ability, the communities that they are a part of, um, mm-hmm. the media around them, of what is um, what is going to continue to keep them safe, right, in terms of fitting into certain spaces. Um, and And yeah, and I gosh, I even think when I I hear the words, when I think of the word soft, I think of vulnerable, but I also think of like my body and like Mm -hmm. the soft, squishy parts of my body that Mm -hmm. the world has just either sexualized or told me I need to harden. (laughs) Like it's just, oh my gosh. (laughs) That is perfect. That is true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I always charge if if these – these babies are being shown um it's funny i i (laughs) what you're saying is incredibly powerful if if anyone follows me on instagram anytime my boobies are out um i i do image descriptions i'm disabled and so everyone should do image descriptions it's a way that you can be more inclusive with the content that you have that's out there and i Mm -hmm. refer to my boobs as award-winning cleavage (laughs) it's award-winning that's great (laughs) And, but it's a form of a reclamation of how, mm. you know, how, how these mounds, they are there, <laughs> are sexualized, <laughs> yeah. how breasts are sexualized and like taken. It's like, no, I have some really great titties. They're fantastic. Mm. They're actually <laughs> award winning, you know, and it's also part of me. Yes, it's a place of softness and I'm, mm. you know, claiming my power by by saying they're award winning. I mean, I think when it comes down to softness, there's so many different avenues and places and spaces people can take it. But the most important thing is, do you have it?
0: Mm. Can you
1: get it? Do you want it? Mm. Are you willing to continually advocate to maintain it? Mm. Yeah. So that's why I named my podcast Soft Black Woman, because now I really, really have to hold myself accountable. Mm, <laughs> so <really? laughs> you know, in every episode, whoever I interview, it's just like, well, how are you bringing softness into your week? And then I have to mm. talk about how I'm bringing softness into my week. Uh, and so we're real time, like modeling this type of behavior. And that's important because, again, like I said, I'm always solving other people's problems. So what am I doing to show up for myself and the softness that I
0: need? Mm. <laughs> I want to ask myself that every week. Now I got to find an accountability partner who maybe can text that to me and ask because I think part of the softness too is is in that support, right? In the opening of like, I am trying to reclaim my softness. And hey, could you um, could you like text me whenever it comes to your mind? Like, how are you? How are you? Like, mm-hmm. how are you connecting with your softness today mm-hmm. or this week? Right? Um, yeah. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get on that. Um, okay, so one of the, so yeah, so back to the question of how softness dances with anger. Mm. You know, I think anger is core human emotion at its mm. at its roots. It's there to tell us when our rights have been violated, or when mm. we are witnessing an injustice, mm. and it can give us that that oomph that comes with that fight response right that can help us hold a boundary to say no to reclaim to right And that's that's powerful and necessary and important. and you know, I think anger can obviously get a bad bad rep um, but it's an important human emotion. and and it feels initially like anger and softness are, are our rivals, right? Like they're not they 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 don't they don't they can't coexist. Um mm-hmm. and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this idea of anger and softness and how they show up with each other.
1: Yes, yeah, so let's talk about anger. Anger is frustration, it is disappointment, it is feelings of failure. Um it could be fear too. There can be a lot of, you know, fear yeah. that comes from it. But Um, it's actually like people are like, Oh, you should just be fearless and do whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I would always say like, you should be fear more. Like, Hmm. so when we talk about these feelings is what we view as negative feelings, fear, anger, whatever. On the other side of that is joy. There's no way around it because it's a release to be angry it's a release to cry. It's a release to cry in public. Uh, it's a release to, you know, advocate for yourself even if you're crying, your voice is shaking. Like, on the other side of that, you're like, you now know that this thing, this person, this opportunity, this space is for you or isn't for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is where the softness lives. So that's why I say whatever fuck I want because – not yeah. good <laughs> right with me if I'm upset if I'm angry I will say what I need to say and on the other side of that I'll be like okay well that worked out or well that didn't work out and now I'm not going to put my energy towards that because it doesn't serve me or I am going to put my energy towards that because it does serve me mm-hmm. um and I think that's important I when it comes to particularly like anger anger I think is a, a defining moment to figure out what will be next for you. The mm. people who fight anger, the people who fight fear, the people who are like fighting these ideas of whatever rejection or whatever may come up. And I'm speaking for myself too. Um, in those moments of fight, sometimes anger is that outcome because you can't figure it out, but then anger is you did figure it out mm. and then you have to move mm. forward whatever it is, good or bad. Right. And to move forward. But that's why I said earlier, like, how are you going to maintain that softness? Because people are always going to want to take it away from you. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: My stereotype, again, is strong black woman, angry black woman. I don't have good stereotypes. So me being in softness is a literal form of resistance, which is fucking frustrating and more than one way that my rest is resistance. It shouldn't have to be that way, but that's my reality of the situation. So that tells me that I'm constantly going to be in this you know, cycle of maybe anger, disappointment, and difficult forms of advocacy to maintain my my softness. So, for example, with my book coming out next year during Black History Month, during an election year, during a spike of banned books, with my book that has white supremacy in the title because that is the issue and the problem, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to receive more death threats. I'm going to receive people who are telling me my own personal story is wrong. I am going to be pulled lots of different directions to talk about the book. I'm going to be pulled to do my national book tour and do this or that. I'm going to be pulled in so many different ways. So my softness will be tested in so many different ways. But what I know is right and true is I'm never going to stop dismantling white supremacy because there's only good things that will come from that, even through difficult times for me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's an additional weight that I've never experienced before that I'm going to have to figure out how and which... The anger will come up, how in which Mm. I'll be able to find my pockets of softness, find my moments of joy during whatever happens (laughs) with my book in a very difficult year.
0: Yeah, to reclaim that harmony, Hmm? not not the balance, because balance is bullshit. Right, exactly. So we need harmony.
1: yeah. So when you said, like, you know, the, the dance between softness and anger, when I talk yeah. about harmony, I explain harmony as I literally have a harmony workshop explains, um, explain harmony by talking about dancing.
0: Mm.
1: You know, right. Yeah. You're dancing along to something and then you're like, oh, my God, this is my part of the song. And maybe it's the bridge or maybe it's this, this part or whatever it is. And you're really leaning into that. Right. It really mm. is this type of it's really this type of dance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that is between this this anger and the softness, and then again, my intersectionality of how it is a form of resistance. Mm-hmm. It is a way my softness also dismantles white supremacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but that's also additional weight to carry in this area of
0: softness too. Yeah, I've been um, I've been taking some hip hop dance classes lately. <gasps> How fun. And in that um, have been also wanting to learn about the history of hip hop as I am showing up in this space and, and experiencing what feels like reclaiming my body, like feels like a loosening of something. It feels like resistance. Like I feel all these things while I'm dancing with the music in this in that space surrounded by others who are enjoying that movement of their body and that music all – and I was just like, what What magic is happening here? Like there mm-hmm. is something specific also – because I've taken other dance classes specific to that genre and just um, reading the history of and, – and just the history of reclamation and resistance. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that that's how you talked about harmony was mm-hmm. with this language of dance. And it just – It makes so much sense
1: yeah doesn't it and and also you're taking this class during the 50th anniversary of hip-hop which is fantastic and for people like us as black and brown people Mm -hmm. like hip-hop is instrumental to a lot of things as far as reclamation being heard being valued Mm -hmm. um um being part of the zeitgeist, changing culture, appropriation. I mean, there's so many things that, yeah. that come from it um and the storytelling that comes mm, from hip-hop yeah. right which is just like powerful and, and incredible and, and so many on so many levels, but it's within that lyric it's within that record it's within that movement um that you know you it literally is telling us the story of, Harmony and softness and anger, like it all comes through with hip hop, which mm-hmm. is why it's so important um, in my life.
0: And you know, I think one thing I've noticed so much more of is how much I hold my body stiff because in these mm-hmm. classes, there's so much more fluid movement that was like that. I'm just I'm softening into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to be
1: stiff sometimes, but the the joy of like hip hop. Dance, like in the different, and there's so many different types. There's bone breaking, mm. there's crumping, there's, I mean, the list goes on and on, but it's to let your body feel. Yes.
0: Right? And that so is super, been yeah. terrifying for me for a very long time. <laughs> so. Have you done other types of dance? I have. I was an ice skater um and I yes. I did ballet and I did jazz. And now you kick off in the best way. I didn't want to stereotype you it was
1: ballet but yes. yeah, that is <laughs> super structure, right? Yeah. So it's the point of toe with ice skating, it's elongation of the arm, yes. right? Mm-hmm. You know, down to the ice pick of the thing, you know, that you're gonna do and it has to be straight. Mm-hmm. So hip hop is complete opposite. Um, and as someone who's watched, yeah. so you think you can dance for way too many years, those are the folks that tend to like struggle once you yeah. get into like contemporary dance, cause it's similar to how you're moving your body. And it's not necessarily a move that you do and hip hop. And so people either really struggle in that space or they find something new about themselves Mm. by being able to release the structure that you've had for so many years in dance and connecting to movement and music in a different way.
0: And can I also say there's the performative aspect of what these things used to mean for me? It was about Mm -hmm. the performance and it was about the achievement. It was about the medal. It was about what others were going to see and was i I, I was an ice skater but like I was I wasn't really that I wasn't the best like I was always I was on an ice skating team actually we did synchronized skating and I was always on the verge of being wow. the alternate you know like and I think there was a lot of a lot of learning and growth that actually happened in that space cuz in other spaces like in academics I had always been able to achieve the best mm-hmm. right and so it was just, oh anyway taking these dance classes and it's not about the performance and it's not about what I can achieve from this and what the world needs from me in this in this. It's it's a reclamation in my own way. It's just it's just for me. It's I for get you. to leave at six o'clock when like it's dinner time and the kids need baths, and I just I look at my husband, and it's like you're a capable human being you you got this right like i'm out you know like he he's got his thing he swims you know and it's like i'm out yeah and um and there's something about the performance aspect of it i'm not performing you know and mm-hmm. and i think that there is a little bridge there for me to come back to the ways in which i have struggled to see how my softness can show up in my own anti-racism work mm-hmm. and how the performance of just wanting to get it right so that I stay safe, right? Like mm-hmm. that shows up in that as as well. And so I think that there's, um, I don't know, there's, 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 some, there's, there's a metaphor in there that I think I need to sit with a little bit for myself personally. But I, I imagine I'm not the only one who can find themselves feeling uh, like it's hard to access softness in a world that feels so hard (laughs) and in a world that feels so scary. Um, And then finding ourselves not knowing how to show up outside of just performing so that we are accepted and safe and, Mm -hmm. and get it right. (laughs) I don't
1: know. I mean, I think one way to maybe think about it for the metaphor that's coming up for you is that um, self-care is a thing you do—it's an action. Mm. Softness is how you live, mm. right? So, yeah. yeah, I take a bath, and that's something I do to tap into softness. But it's also the thoughts that I have for myself, the grace I've given myself mm. um, of showing up in this world. But the—I, you know, there's only so many baths I can take a bath and be pissed the fuck off in a bath. I've done <laughs> yeah. it happened (laughs) you know doing the self-care thing the self-care thing isn't allowing me to have softness and so it's the way in which we are kind to ourselves it's the way in which we do have these types of aha moments of Mm -hmm. how this dance class is showing up differently for you and you can also say that the performance is still there but it's for you
0: That's for for you, right? It's It's like
1: pouring into yourself, you know, like in the filling up your own cup type of thing, which I think is really important because we can't pour from an empty cup. We for sure can't do that. Um, But even that feels weird because like, no, if I perform, it's for others.
0: Mm.
1: But if you perform for yourself, that's, that's the softness, right? That's the shiniest metal you'll ever get. Yeah. Right. So the other thing like of softness that I've been able to move to is that I have no problem celebrating myself. Mm. And I think that's really important because people feel the celebration has to come from other people, Mm. Mm -hmm. but that is actually validation from other Mm -hmm. people to validate the thing that you did. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. The only person that matters is me for it. Does it mean that i I'm gonna say like, no, I don't want to have a celebratory, you know, uh, book launch party for my book. No, no, no. Someone, yeah, please. This is a moment. Yeah, go ahead and celebrate me, or even something small as like getting a new client. I would still like someone to toast me,
0: to mm-hmm. add to. But
1: all of that is a value mm-hmm. add to what I've mm-hmm. already given myself. Mm-hmm. Because when we've given it to ourselves, then we're not seeking for that validation from other people. And if it's not, if it doesn't show Mm. up the way it's supposed to show up, then we go into those feelings of sadness or rejection or, or anger. Mm. But what would it look like to drastically change that to like, Oh, I've given myself all the celebration I need. And then it's a bonus when it comes in the other place.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much in there that Was just like popping up in my head, just like like an overwhelming (laughs) amount, and I'm like, wait, wait, I need to grab one of these to be able to to respond to this in a way that kind of makes this tangible. And you know, I think one thing that was coming up was, you know, when when there is horrific tragedy that's happening in the world, and I know that I, as a white passing person carry power and privilege and I want to do something. I want to say something. I want to, and then, and then I can become afraid of, it, of doing it wrong. And then it becomes, and you and I have talked about this in our work together, then it becomes about, then it becomes about the performance of it and, and that aspect of it, right? Which, mm. And underneath all that is is actually a really soft person who feels the pain of the world around her and wants to learn mm-hmm. and doesn't know everything yet <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 has questions and has um yeah has has un, has unknowns right like yeah and and then and then it stops me from learning because it's just about getting it right and so that's that's been my work that's been um and I think that's connected to everything we've talked about and 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 I know that I'm not alone in that and so for for the listener from you Dr. Kadei what um what are some ways that we can begin to to notice that, lean into our softness in a way that actually supports us in being able to show up? Yeah. I, so
1: here's how white supremacy works. People want to be the best and they want to be right. Regardless of how you identify, you don't need to be white at all. It's just this idea of being the best, having it all understood and, and figured out. It comes with superiority. It comes with, you know, kind of being on the top of this Food, chain, cycle, map, pyramid, whatever you want it to be of how the world operates. So we can talk about real time things that are happening, which is what's going on um, in Palestine, Israel, with Jewish people, Gaza Strip, list goes on and on. There's a lot of complexity that happens there. Um, I'm going to actually read you something which I am eminently putting on um, this thing called social media, which a lot of yeah. perfectionism and, and feeling can come from. So yeah. um, complexity is not a reason to kidnap, maim, rape, torture, and murder innocent people. Humanity is impossible when civilians are disregarded and discarded. And this is how white supremacy works. White supremacy is when no matter what you say to advocate for the liberation and end of murder of um Oppressed Palestinians, Israelis, and Jews people, you are attacked, silenced, threatened, and told to pick a side. Dismantling white supremacy starts with humanity, and without it, this will continue. So I bring that up because I am known for solving problems giving advice, navigating things, looking at the complexity of how nationality, ethnicity, and what people view as race, race as a social construct, comes into things, how religion comes into things, how do we view things, looking at white supremacy, being an expert of white supremacy. And I know by those words that I just said, some people are going to be offended. I know by those words that I'll post on social media, some people will be offended. But what I do know is innocent people, women, children, men, non-binary people should not be murdered maimed raped or harmed and so what does that mean it means when you are in these positions of things that are happening in the world you have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that's because there's so many viewpoints particularly in this situation but in general there's different lived experiences there's different intersectionality that comes up and so you have to really work through that whole idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And that's because if you're doing life right, we're always in positions of learning and unlearning Mm -hmm. because it's impossible for me, Dr. Akilah Kadeh to know how every Palestinian, Israeli, Jewish person feels. It's impossible for me to know how a Jewish person in America feels versus a Jewish person who may be in Palestine versus a Jewish person who may be on the Gaza Strip versus a Jewish person who may be in Palestine versus a Jewish person who's in the UK. there There's so many different lived experiences and intersectionality that comes up with that or a Palestinian yeah. person in America or an Israeli person in America who's right. You know, there's so much nuance that's there. But when it comes down to it, we all don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And so I have committed my life to advocating for those who are oppressed. And I will continually do that. But that's the choice that I've decided to do. So how will I post this in a position that goes back into softness? I'll put it up. I'll turn off comments. Mm
0: -hmm. Will I
1: get DMs? For sure. I will. But I can Mm -hmm. delete a DM. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm saving myself from harm other people may experience on my page or mm-hmm. hateful words that can go out to the masses.
0: Mm-hmm. Am I going to mm-hmm. receive some
1: horrible, probably traumatic mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Cause I've been in the situation before.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, but that is what I have chosen to do and the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And so I think where people really struggle is that, In this case of what's happening abroad, there's multiple layers of white supremacy that shows up, which means there's access to resources. There's access to storytelling. There's access to media. There's access to, you know, having the resources that are needed to shame, to harm, to attack, to murder. Like, there's so many layers of resources. There's political power. There's so much that goes on because some of these individuals may identify as white. Some of them may identify as you know, people of color or BIPOC, however, they are coming up. There's no wrong way of how people are viewing themselves. Some people may be white passing. Some people may not. You know, there's classism. There's so many things that are in here. And that's why we see this discourse happening here in U.S. as a result of that. There's the American relations with the countries. You know, there's, there's so much that's in there. But it's amongst maintaining power and control and white supremacy when it comes yeah. down to it right? Because yeah. I can say as a Haitian American, similar stuff is happening in Haiti right now, but mm-hmm. we don't get the same amount of the news cycle, mm-hmm. right? And it's not a comparison of why why right. Haiti, not Haiti. It's just how white supremacy works.
0: Yeah,
1: My country is not relatable to the powers that be, right? Yeah. It's the same yeah. reason why we saw more around um, the Ukrainian war. In fact, in my book, I actually highlight various different quotes from um, uh, on-air journalists, journalists who say things specific to, like, they're just like us. These are good mm-hmm. white people who yeah. don't deserve this. But I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, do you, do you know what's happening in Mexico?
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know what's happening in, in you know, different parts of Africa? Do you know what's happening? You know, like, but it's, it's not the same. And mm-hmm. so, When we think about uh, how white supremacy works, it only works if people are oppressed. Mm. And that's what we're seeing all around the world.
0: When we are scared, right? Which a lot of people are feeling right now, right? Is fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that there's, um, there's a doorway that that really vital human emotion has to our softness. And in our softness, what I'm hearing you say in so many ways is we can access connection to our humanity and the humanity of those around us. Mm -hmm. And then maybe through that, we can access what we don't know and we can acknowledge that uh, that things that we do, that we are are hurt and that things that we do hurt Mm -hmm. and that we want to change that shit for the world and for the generation that we're raising. and But it's also acknowledging our power and privilege that we have and
1: ourselves our too, yeah. right? So yeah. I think it's important to note that you and I are both empaths. So stuff like this <laughs> is very heavy. Mm. It's very heavy. There's other people yeah. who aren't empaths. Mm. They're fine. Right? And that's why we're called to this work to take care yeah. of other people. And also we're Virgos, right? But we're called to this work to do that. (laughs) Thanks for naming that, yeah. (laughs) But that's also why the softness part is really important to understand how to get to and how to maintain Mm -hmm. when you have so much vulnerability, when you are an empath and you can feel. Like my heart is so heavy. I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I'm someone who wants to know the facts. So I'm reading different stories and I'll look at imaging. It's not just for what's happening right now. Um, in the world but you know my ancestors you know went through a lot here (laughs) in this this country and i have to constantly see how black people are treated in this country and and how there's this way to have this sensationalism i should say of black death black murder black brutality I have to think about like who the martyrs are when we think about police brutality, the primarily men, it's not the same for women. Yay, we have Breonna and Taylor, but there's so many more men that people know about, Yeah, which tells me how I feel with my existence. Right. And so like right now for people who are in America, who are seeing what's happening and whatever fucked up thing that's happening, they carry that more people carry it more than others. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember, one, to give ourselves grace. Two, to have boundaries around social media and the news that we have coming in. Three, understand our power and privilege and how we can show up for ourselves and advocate for other people. Mm -hmm. How are we constantly for learning and unlearning? And five, realizing we all don't know what we don't know Mm -hmm. because there are too many beautiful layers of intersectionality, lived experience. Mm -hmm. Structural oppression, <laughs> racism, homophobia, you know, there's things that come up when we talk about religion, existence, there's colorism, there's so much that goes into it that makes things complex, but ultimately, that's why I talk about dismantling white supremacy all the time, because if we dismantle it, then we are freeing ourselves from these systems of oppression
0: mm.
1: that we're in, that some people experience more than others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's where we wrap it up. Um, there's obviously so I'm much more to say notes. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more to say here, and and that's why um, that's why we all go and pre-order your book. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Doctor Kade. It has been a joy to be soft with you, <laughs> this conversation, yeah. and to know you. Uh, thank you so much for your time and energy today. You are very welcome.
1: I want to let you know I'm happy to be a softness buddy for you, um, but I want you to find the right soft person for you too. If it's not me, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting softness. <laughs> um, and then we just have to remember, like, you know, um, you are a gift to the world. For so many people, you've been a gift to me. Um, so many birthing people. So many people who are just going through so many things with the transition that comes with with. Parenting and what parenting looks like, and how there's so many different ways of parenting. Um, but to you and your listeners, just remember through it all to keep being amazing,
0: happy, mom. Keep being amazing. Mm. <laughs> thank you. I receive it. I'm taking that value <laughs> add in. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you, Dr. Kinnaird. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me, for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.